everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Lit AF with me, your host, Sarah Cohan. As always, I'm excited to be back this week. I hope you're having a wonderful week. And today's episode is actually a little different. So I recently did an IG live with my good friend, Jessica Briggs. She's an Akashic Records reader, and she was previously on this show. I'm going to link her episode below in case you're interested in listening to it. But I was recently did an IG live for her, and she was actually asking the questions this time. And I was sharing my personal thoughts on shadow. And so we did a deep dive into why the human experience involves so many different types of hard emotions and how befriending those emotions can bring us into the full human experience. So she and I just had a blast. I had a blast um, talking with her and I loved the conversation so much that I wanted to bring it to all of you. I, I hope you enjoy our conversation. And as always, I want to do a weekly check-in. I feel like I want to share with you what I'm reading right now for my weekly check-in. So my book du jour, book du month, whatever we want to call it, is Existential Kink. It is a book by Carolyn Elliott, and her work is just incredible. So she's looking at the shadow sides of the human experience, and as you can guess from the title, she is um, using techniques from the BDSM kink community to fully embrace shitty emotions, shitty experiences, and our shadow. Of course, this is like my take on her work. (laughs) Take it all with a grain of salt. But I've been loving using her work. It has been, kink and me have not been friends. I'm like, especially working for Burning Man Project, I was like, that's not me. That's not my thing. That's like for all these other people. That's just not for me, which is hilarious. So it's been interesting for me to start to think about these concepts and like, and not embrace them. I mean, yes, embrace them, but like think about what gifts they're bringing to the world as opposed to seeing like, that's not me. I don't identify as that. Like that's totally different than who I am. (laughs) So I love the idea of like just picturing one of the one of the images she has in the book is like she's talking about bondage and like she's like just think about how comfortable it is to be wrapped up really tight. And of course when I think about being wrapped up really tight, I just think about being in the womb or like being swaddled as a child. Or I think of how um, being held tightly is particularly helpful for um, autistic people. And I just think of that and I just think to myself like, okay, maybe there is something here. Maybe there is some pleasure of pain. I was also reading The Art of the Ask by Amanda Palmer. And she just has this amazing story. I'm not going to retell it because it truly is her story and her book is amazing. But she basically talks about how she was in a moment where she was feeling very open and vulnerable with her fans. And one of the fans violated her trust. And it really got to her and it really upset her. A boundary was crossed and it was really painful. And later she's just, you know, decompressing with her husband about what had happened. And she said something like, maybe I needed that experience of my boundary being crossed and it being so painful to make all of the other moments of when I have been so open and vulnerable and no one has taken advantage of me more beautiful. 
And I just think about that. And today I woke up and I was really anxious and kind of flighty. And like, I, you know, some days I wake up and I'm just like, to-do list, like, let's get some shit done. And today was one of those days. And I just kept like, you know, I was trying to do my yoga nidra meditation in the morning. And of course, the moment I like stop, you know, thinking about a different part of my body, my brain just goes to, okay, make sure that we record the intro for today or for this week's podcast episode. And I'm like, oh my God, like the to-do list is creeping in. And I'm like, okay, you know, yesterday I woke up and I was super clear headed and so relaxed and I could really focus. And today I can't. And maybe I need the days when I can't focus as much in order to appreciate the days when I can focus. Maybe that is this dual reality that we live in. And if we don't have those harder to deal with moments, then the fun, joyful moments aren't as wonderful. So that's what's like just bopping around in my brain right now. It's a little intense. It's some I'm sure think will be it's a little dark, but I really like it. (laughs) I'm having a lot of fun with it. So if you're reading the book, oh my God, please reach out to me. I want to hear your thoughts. I want to hear everything about your experience. It's turning around just so many things for me, triggering moments with family, uh, my relationship with my husband, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of things. I'm really having a lot of fun with it. And more on that topic soon. But I also want to share with you guys that I've got a lot of fun stuff coming your way. This has been a long time coming, so I'm just really excited to finally be announcing this stuff. I am officially starting coaching sessions. So if you want to work with me on your shadow, please come find me. All sessions are donation-based currently. It is pay what you want, and I structure the sessions on three specific things. So if you're working around your shadow on partnership, money, or fertility, please book a session. They're 50 minutes, and then I follow up each session with just – I kind of journal free write about our session together, and I put together some tips, tools, activities – future reading, podcast episodes, whatever it may be that I think um, will help you embrace and really befriend your shadow. So very specific topics, super fun work. I'm really, really, really excited about it. If you're interested in working with me, you can visit my website, sarahcohan.com. That's S-A-R-A-H-C-O-H-A-N.com. And you can, in the menu bar, you'll see the coaching button. So that's really exciting. And then I announced today with Jess that I will be starting a membership program. And the details will be available soon. But if you're interested in learning more about it, you can please sign up for my email list. And to do that, all you got to do is go to sarahcohan.com. That's S-A-R-A-H-C-O-H-A-N.com. And hit the subscribe button on the menu bar. And you'll stay up to date with all kinds of things like weekly podcast episodes and um, so much more. So uh, you can find me there. I'm so excited. And without further ado, let's get into this week's episode. Speaking with my good friend, Sarah Cohan, who is the host of a To Be Magnetic group in San Francisco, as well as the podcast Lit AF. Our intention today is just to speak um, our truths, to really speak from our womb space and our gut, cover many topics, including um, shame and shadow work. 
and she's joining right now. Hi, Tiffy. Hi. Hi. How are you? So good. It's so good to see your face. You too. <laughs> All the sunshine. It's perfect. I know I needed to be outside today. I love that. <laughs> I love that so much. Can you tell everyone listening um, just a little bit about where you come from, like where you were born and raised, and maybe a little bit about your podcast? Yes. I love that. Okay. So if you can't tell from my voice, I am born and raised in California. Born. (laughs) I got a thick Valley girl accent, guys. (laughs) Folks, sorry. I'm starting to stop using gender. So I was born in Monterey, California. Um, Sorry, I was actually born in Salinas, but raised all around Monterey Bay. I actually just counted it up yesterday. I lived in six different houses growing up. So we moved around a lot, which was but it really built resilience. I will say that. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> but was it hard too? I mean, it was super, the first move like to a different, totally different city was like cutthroat. I was like, I'm not moving. I'm going to stay with my grandma. Like, no, we're, I'm not doing that. And my mom just looked at me and was like, you're coming with us. And I was like, okay. <laughs> Last time I checked, you're my child and you're coming with. A hundred percent. And I was like, okay, fine. <laughs> But then after that, I don't know, it kind of got easier and easier. So by the time I went to college, I was like, let's do this. We got this. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. So then um, my podcast, I'm the host of Lit AF, which is a podcast about personal growth. It's stories from coaches and healers and teachers and just practitioners. Jess has been on the show. It's she has an amazing episode. It changed my life. It was such a good interview. So I'm just sharing sharing the good word on how to live your life with more ease, honestly. More ease. Well, we were just talking this morning a little bit about the importance of ease in self-development and like letting it be easy and not arduous. Yes. Do you have anything you want to share on that or maybe something you've learned from any of your podcast guests about how it can be? It can be easy. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Should we get a billboard? It can be easy. (laughs) It can be easy, folks. (laughs) Check it out. (laughs) I agree. I agree. It doesn't have to be hard. I just think in the beginning to like kind of when I first started on my journey of like, all of the self-imposed guilt and shame I would put on myself for not meditating or not meditating correctly or not doing my journal exercise every single day. It's just so much perfectionism in this space, actually. So (laughs) letting that go and um, letting kind of prescriptive I mean, well, everyone in this space is here to help. I truly do believe that. And, and, and everyone is helping in different ways. And we're all so different. And that's actually one of the things I learned on Jess's podcast episode. So if, during our interview, I was telling you like, okay, this is how I talk to my intuition. And this is how I feel that like my true emotions are showing up in my body. I talk to my belly. And you just started giggling. And you're like, we are all so different. And I was like... <laughs> Oh my God. Not everyone talks to their intuition by talking to their belly and doing like a left nudge or a right nudge. And it was just like, that to me, like broke open this concept of like, we were all so different. We're all like, we we're all on different paths. We feel things differently in our bodies. My emotion of anxiety is going to be different than your emotion of anxiety. And that like, that just set off this whole chain of events where I was like, Oh, 
okay, so I can just do a yoga nidra every day. I don't have to meditate anymore. I can journal at <laughs> nighttime because morning pages aren't for me. Like, I'm just, I'm not a morning person. Sorry. Like, actually, not sorry. I'm not sorry I'm not a morning person. <laughs> It's just that's just not in my wheelhouse. So I'm not going to be getting up and doing a subconscious brain dump every single morning. And um, yeah, I can express my art and creativity however I want to. So a lot of like activities that, you know, I'll be like in a moon circle or um, even even working with Jess, like the activity, creative activities will come up. And my first go to is always like drawing or sketching on a on a pad to like creatively express an emotion. And the other weekend, I was like, wait a second. Wait, 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 Like, dance is my medium. I've been a ballet dancer my entire life. Why am I not dancing my emotions or, like, expressing these emotions through some type of movement? And that doesn't mean going to ballet class and having a teacher tell me to go into, like, first position, second position, whatever. It means <laughs> me, like, getting to, like, literally embody that emotion and dance it out in this apartment. Like, Game changer. And like, that is my process, right? But that is not necessarily anyone else's process. Yeah. So, so yeah, I feel like that, that is the biggest, just realizing that we're all so, so different. And saying that um, Dave loves when people own not being a morning person. <laughs> Dave, are you here with me? Like, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> He's like, no, thanks. No, thank you. I'm tired. (laughs) I'm just tired of fitting into this morning person life. (laughs) Hey, Sarah, are you less spiritual or less of an evolved person if you don't wake up at four in the morning to meditate? Oh, my God. Like, are you? No, no. no. (laughs) Maybe your time to connect with spirit world is 11 p.m. Like me. Like, why not? That's our time and that's okay. Or maybe it's, maybe it's a totally different time concept that you're in. Like, it's just so different. Can you guys imagine if we like visited another planet and all the beings were already like completely fine. And then there were these like arbitrary rules. Like if you don't, like if you don't like um, pat your head and rub your belly at 3 p.m. in the afternoon, <laughs> then you're like not good enough. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great example. <laughs> like, it's so it's just- random. It is so random. (laughs) It's so random. But questioning that brings ease. Like questioning that and figuring out the thing that works for you. That just like, that is the sauce. I think that is the one thing. It's not like, I can't even tell you what one thing is or what one thing that someone has said to me, but really accepting and honoring what works for you. So what has worked for you at different stages of your journey? Such a good question. And it's changed. (laughs) It has changed so, so, so much. So years ago, it just started with talk therapy. And like, that's as far as I went. That was it. I love talk therapy. Yeah. Yeah. And it was really, it served me. It served me well. And then it didn't. And then I needed more. And I needed to (laughs) have more of a a daily practice as opposed to a once a week practice. And then also really finding my own sovereignty in my healing. Because I think when we're working with practitioners and healers and coaches, I would start to put all of my growth onto them. Like I can't make it to the next level until I talk to them about this. Or I need their approval on this really cool thing that I'm super proud that I just did in order to give myself approval for like unlocking that next level or like figuring out how to like do something with more ease. Right. Mm. So it's almost like I was giving away 
this incredible power that we have within ourselves to heal and grow and learn. And so I needed to like bring that into my own like practice. Like I needed to be my own healer, right? That's yeah. what we hear. Like we need to be our own coaches. Like that is That's truly real. Yeah. It's all of our lives, right? So it's not possible for someone else to live my life or figure my life out for yes. in its entirety. Yes. <laughs> my life. Yes. And like, how intense is that for a coach, a therapist, a healer to have that weight on their shoulders? Like that's yeah. a lot to ask for. No, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Like to heal your own damn self. Yeah. So, so my practice on February 14th, 2019, no 20, yeah, 2020 was right before the pandemic hit. I signed up for to be magnetic, which is a wonderful manifestation program. My spiritual journey started with manifestation, which I think is hilarious because my self-worth was so low that the idea of the magic of manifestation was just like, I cure all, I need this. I need to like manifest that life. I need to manifest that house. I need to get that job that I think that I want. So I'm not surprised at all that that was my inroad to all of this. Mm -hmm. And I started doing that program. It was a daily practice. It includes like med meditation and journal exercises. And the teacher of that program just really honors self-care in this beautiful way. So I started like taking an Epsom salt bath every single day. And that became my practice. Like this radical idea at the time of like doing self-care was for me, like I'm going to hit that Epsom salt bath every single day. And that was hard. It was hard to keep yeah. up with, but I did. Yeah, what did low self-worth feel like? Or what did it, it like? What thoughts oof. did it sound like? And what did it feel like? I love that question. So it felt like constant, constant Ooh. comparison. I live in San Francisco, which is a very wealthy city. I live in the Mission, which is uh, right next to Noe Valley, another like really wealthy zip code. Mm -hmm. And I have a beautiful dog, my, my spirit angel dog, who I get to walk every day. And so walking around this city, I would just be comparing, comparing, comparing. Like that person has that big house. That person has that perfect car. That person has that perfect family. And it was just like, I would never be walking around being like, check out this dope house that I have or check out my awesome gifts that I'm bringing to the world. None of that. It was just constantly comparing and never, ever, ever stacking up. And I would say that is like truly the, like the foundation of my low self-worth. You know what's so funny about that, Sarah, is I think about this kind of often when I have people who come to have sessions with me and they have so many things like they have so many things so many houses so many cars you know often there also is like a drinking problem and like not to put anyone down not saying that those two things go hand in hand because they don't but just that um we never really know by somebody's material circumstance um what's like really going on for them and if they are in a better place because maybe what their soul yearns for is a simpler life maybe yeah. what their soul is asking for is more is something different than that um but i also feel like i you can say like if somebody doesn't have enough money to have like a roof over their head or food in their belly then you can definitely say that that's not a good circumstance and we should help yeah. them <laughs> yes yes if they if that's what they want yes absolutely <laughs> 
Okay, so you you did talk therapy, and then something in you, your inner knowing kicked in, and you're like, I want something daily, and then you found uh, Lacey Phillips to be magnetic work, and then what happened? So from there, I found this amazing community. So the uh, magnetic meetups here in San Francisco are it's a group of lovely humans that are also working through the Tube Magnetic program. And I think that is when my own personal growth journey exploded. <laughs> Skyrocketed. <laughs> it's in the stratosphere now. <laughs> so every week I met with these beautiful, beautiful humans. And it's like some of the most spiritually inclined, fascinating, really educated people that I have ever met in my entire life. And we would meet for an hour and a half. We still meet ever for an hour and a half. And everyone shares so vulnerably about what they're going through and being able to have these experiences of seeing how others were suffering, maybe not even in the same way that I was, maybe in a totally different way just allowed me to see that like, this is a human experience that we're all having and I don't have to carry this alone. And eventually this took a while, but I can actually enjoy the fact that I'm feeling these feelings. Oh, let's okay. Let's talk about that. But I wonder since you brought up sharing vulnerably, maybe should we each share something vulnerable that we've been going through recently? I would love that. I would love that. Okay, I feel like I'm going to go first so you have a moment to think about. Okay, good. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> okay, so for me, recently, I've been doing a lot of healing in my relationship with my twin sister. So for those of you that don't know, I have a twin sister, and I love my twin sister like the moon loves the stars. Like, I love her like she's for me she feels like a great love of my life like one of my greatest teachers like I just have this boundless enormous love for her and the fact that we have a riff in our relationship makes me feel really sad and I've done everything like there's not prayer there is not um, an inner inquiry I haven't done because this relationship means more to me than wealth, than success, than um, all, like this relationship means so much to me. And so, um, yeah, and so I've just been like healing with that and just like being really okay. And for a long time I felt okay. She does, I don't need anything from her. I don't need her to love me back in the same way, but just being okay with like speaking what's true for me and mm. um, just like letting it be. Mm sisters <laughs> so beautiful and she's a twin sister are you guys is it identical i can't remember the other names of twins we're fraternal but we fraternal. look very similar and our wow. personalities are very similar wow do you guys have the like the twin connection like psychic it's hard connection? to say because i have that anyways but mm. uh... <laughs> no i can't you is even it separate more? it i don't know i don't know <laughs> I don't Love know, that. but we, we grew up in, um, we grew up in different houses from the time we were in middle school. We like went mm. different ways. So yeah. Wow. That is so beautiful. And to just to let it be, can be, that's like typically so uncomfortable, right? Like it's so, it's not everyone's go-to, like we're trying to just numb out or like avoid, 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 or fix, 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 fix. 
or yeah, even escape, 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 right? Like all of those, these are all modes of trying to just completely avoid the hard feelings of what you're going through. And so to just let it be is huge. Just feel like it's sad, but I'm okay, you know? Yeah. And just feel oh, really. That's yeah. so beautiful. And I also like want to meet her so bad. <laughs> <laughs> She's a genius. She's like a genius. It's crazy. Oh. Um, I think the other thing I want to say is like a soul level truth for me is in this lifetime, I wanted to grow in my capacity to love. And mm. one aspect of love is loving people in a way that they're not likely to ever love you back. Mm. To yeah. love people who don't feel the same way about you and to give that love unconditionally, boundlessly, and to hold that space for myself. And this really amazing growth opportunity for me to hold that. And I work with a lot of people who have siblings or have children or something like that who struggle with addiction. Mm. And so um, it allows, that's like another case where it's common where you can love somebody who maybe doesn't have that um, capacity or availability and may never have that availability to, to love you back in that way. Yeah. Oh, wow. Thanks, Emily. Emily says, living for this convo, bringing ease all into my body right now. Yes, Emily. Here Emily, for it. Van lifeing in Germany right now. Oh my god! Cool. Oh. <laughs> so cool. That is the ultimate. I love that. Yeah. Oh, I love that. You ready, Sarah? You're yeah. Share yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> so this springtime, this this spring equinox hit me like a ton of bricks. Which I mean. It's springtime, people. Like, it's it's finally, like, beautiful weather. All of the, the trees are flowering. Like, it should be, you know, we've got longer days all of a sudden. Like, I really was surprised that the spring hit me, like, a little harder than I'm used to. And I was just leaning in. I radically chose to lean into all of my feelings that I was feeling. And on a Saturday night, uh, I had a friend over and we were just having this wonderful evening. And I swear, as soon as she left my house, the door closed, I instantly started crying. Just like instant. And I was like, damn, like, what is this? What is this feeling in my body? Where is this coming from? And I realized this profound sense of loneliness. Like here I am on a Saturday night again at the, in the middle of this pandemic, or maybe we we're towards the end. I don't even know where we're at anymore. <laughs> but all of a sudden I was having this beautiful connection time and it was so fun and everything was so great. And then it was just instant, instant loneliness. And I, you know, my whole body like immediately was just like, great, let's go turn the TV on. And I was like, we are not doing that today. We are not, mm -mm. we are sitting mm -hmm. and we are going to feel every single part of this loneliness feeling. And so for two hours, I sat in my bed journaling, just like going journaling and crying, journaling and crying, journaling and crying. And I just realized that I feel like FOMO and fear of missing out is just this, I'm like addicted to this emotion of having FOMO. Like I always, I want to be in every single person's experience having connection. And then when I don't have that anymore... I have this intense, profound experience of loneliness. And I think I actually like that feeling, which was like the sickest part of it. I was like, oh my God, wait a second. 
if I manifest like everything in my reality, I'm making right. Like as within, so without, like I am, I, I am wanting to have this experience of loneliness. Yes. It was crazy. It was like so wild. Yes. 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 (laughs) Let's talk more about that. So like, why, what do you love about FOMO? Like what, what do you get out of FOMO? Yeah. Yes. And so I'm just for anyone who doesn't know, FOMO is fear of missing out. Fear <laughs> of missing out. Like this is, this is like literally my life. I'm like unraveling my life's work right now. Like it's so fun. <laughs> so what do I love about the fear of missing out? If I am missing out on something, it truly means that I am not getting to have that connection, that in-person experience. And then I get to feel lonely. I get to feel disconnected. I get to feel almost left out. Like left out is truly the emotion that I'm feeling, right? Yeah. It's almost like an active, like choosing, like I wasn't chosen to be a part of this. I'm feeling really left out. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. that is an emotion that I can be equally like attached to if I really dig into it. So in my childhood, like I always felt left out. I was the middle child. Like, you know, my older sister always had her thing going on and my younger sister always had her thing going on. And I was just kind of like being shuttled back and forth to ballet class. Like that, that feeling of being left out was such a profound emotion in my childhood. And so, you know, I became a performer and I really like, I started um, acting out in class because I was talking too much. Like I really like lashed out against no, not this you. emotion. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I hate talking. <laughs> so it's like feeling that emotion of being left out. If we really think about it, like we can also be addicted to that feeling and we can also really enjoy experiencing that feeling. And I know this is radical. I know this yeah. is super radical. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go but, there though. <laughs> yeah. But like it is like, so I like to think of it like if we're having, if emotions aren't in a spectrum and being left out is over here, being included and having a connection is over here. I can only feel as far along the spectrum like this. So if I'm feeling connected, mm-hmm. I can only feel as connected as I can also feel left out. So if I'm leaning in, yes, like if I'm leaning in and really like embracing that feeling of being left out, that means that I can move further along on the connected and like being included spectrum. Yeah, that feeling of being included, what that might look like is just somebody sending you a text message or Mm -hmm. somebody like thinking of you or like inviting you to a birthday and maybe you wouldn't know how special that moment is if you hadn't experienced what it feels like to have nothing to do on a Saturday night to have no one to call no one to be with and that gives you that experience of like oh I really appreciate it now that I'm invited because I paid attention I'm going (laughs) to push a little deeper on this um younger version of you maybe you know um Maybe you were quite young, like seven or eight or something. The first time mm-hmm. you told yourself, I was deliberately left out. Because I also wonder, this is just a wondering for you to respond to. Is it easier to say that this was deliberate than it is to hold space for the fact that people cause harm to us without really knowing that they're doing it? Because mm. there's a complexity in that, right? And like holding that space, like, wow, they 
the people around me have no idea that I have this deep need to be included. And so they did this thing without even knowing it. And what, what does that mean for me? That I have to use my voice, that I have to ask to be invited, that I have to include myself. And that may have felt harder than just deciding they did it on purpose. They right. actively didn't include me. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And then it becomes this like sick, twisted, like, am I like replicating? I mean, obviously I am right. Like I'm replicating the situation so that it like keeps happening. So I get to keep experiencing this feeling. And then like, if I would take it a level further of like being disconnected, like I almost feel like as a child, I thought there was a power in not sharing my emotions. Like there was this force field around me by controlling the narrative. I could control, right? And I could just feel so self-righteous that I had all this anger and all this resentment towards my parents and the rest of my family for not being included. And I could literally go pout in my bedroom by myself. (laughs) And I had control over it. And that is like next level, like being so attracted to that feeling of disconnection. Yeah, that, you know, when somebody is aloof, it causes everyone else to lean in, right? Everyone else yeah. is like, what's wrong? What did I do? Keep me guessing. It's such a mystery. And then when the aloof person gives their positive attention, you're like, oh, I got it. Yes. I got it. Bing. Yeah. yeah. So that brings up, I mean, let's really go down this rabbit hole. Like that's bringing up for me, what is your perspective on people being addicted to their negative experiences, whether that's frustration or bitterness or rage or anger or disrespect? Um, is that, or even let, maybe let's just start with victimhood. Is mm. being a victim always about having more control over the situation? Do you think? Oh, I love it. I've been like sitting with this one the last couple of days. First of all, we soul adventure just said it's easier to feel it's easier feeling a victim than admitting to yourself that your story reality of disconnection is self-inflicted. Ah, nailed it. Like nailed it. Victimhood is so fun, right? It is so, it is such a fun pleasure journey of getting to just be like, I am so, I, I, I don't want to say the word weak because that feels really triggering to me, but like, I am so powerless in this situation and I'm like being so taken advantage of and I get to just do in this feeling of like not, not having any power because maybe I'm afraid of power. Maybe freedom in that, right? Yeah. Yes. Like maybe I'm so afraid of actually being powerful because power wasn't modeled well to me growing up or I'm afraid that when I am powerful, I'm going to hurt other people, right? That could be our biggest fears. I'm going to be so powerful that I'm not actually going to be this idyllic, perfect person in my mind that is people pleasing and helping everyone else around me that all of a sudden I'm going to actually like cause pain in someone's life. Yeah. Yeah. It's real. Yeah. There's a lot of, um, maybe there's even a little bit of like recognition that comes from being a victim sometimes. Mm -hmm. Depending on the situation, if we tell our story over and over again about all the things we went through and then somebody can say, oh my gosh, you're so strong because you went through those things or I give you so much recognition because of it. Um, But what if we just recognize each other like for our soul essences? Like what if we all just try to be like, I love how creative you are. I love what a nonconformist you are. I love what a rebel you are. Like at a soul essence. So no one needed to do anything to earn recognition. Yes, I love 
that. I love that. And to go back to the addiction, like what you were talking about being addicted to it, it is addicting. It truly, like we become, and I can tell it like this, this is how I lived my life of like, I was addicted to these guilt and shame feelings. I was addicted to being in debt. I racked up so much credit card debt because I loved that feeling of owing people because then it was, that was like a connection point for me. Like if I owe you, that means that I'm still in some sort of like connection to you in this very, like, I can be holier than thou. I can be like this perfect person that's not, again, not stepping into my own power and not trusting that if I don't owe you, that we won't ever have a connection again in the future. Okay. I feel like I want to ask kind of a heavy hitter question. How do you make sense of, um, especially living in San Francisco where there's so much separation and such a big difference in economic classes and racism and all of that. So how do you make sense of this conversation around sometimes people get addicted to being a victim and that's okay. Mm. Probably we've all been addicted to our negative emotions at some time. Um, for me, it was anger. I think that I like, was like a go-to emotion um, when I was much younger because it's, mm. oh, it's more acceptable to say I'm angry than I'm hurt. Mm. In my context, it was. Interesting. Um, there's almost like a power, more power in that, right? It was more respected in my family. Uh, oh, wow. Crying was like not good, but if I like fought back, you know, that was okay. <laughs> right, 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 right. Then, then they could recognize that. But yeah, so how, what do you, what are your thoughts on like acknowledging systemic issues, but taking responsibility for what we can in our own lives to not, not play the victim where we're, we're not really the victim anymore? Yeah. Oh, I love this question. <laughs> And like, I'll just be real. So honest, like already, like my, my body is just so heightened. Just even like hearing the word racism. I'm like, Oh shit. Okay. Now I have to perform. I have to have the best answer. I have to have the right answer and I need to like nail it. Otherwise people are going to come at me with like, you know, their knives on, (laughs) on diversity inclusion. And I think that right there is the perfect example. I'm reading right now, white fragility. Yeah of this incredible heavy sense of guilt that comes with white fragility. Mm -hmm. And to me, and I'm so glad my husband's on this call right now while I'm saying this. Hi, honey. Yes. (laughs) He is a person of color. He's walking this earth um, with brown skin. He's got some melanin tones to his skin. And I have just learned so much from living with a person of color. And I have made so many mistakes. So many mistakes. I was the poster child for white fragility in the very beginning. My husband would come home and he would tell me these horrible stories, very just slight, slight racist moments that he was experiencing. And I would just be like, oh, they're, they're not being racist. Oh, they're trying to do their best. Oh, you clearly just don't understand the correction or the situation correctly. Like, like, no, it's hard to even hear myself say these things. Thank like, you for saying it. Thank oh, you. Yeah. Yes, thank you. But like <laughs> that in itself is is the problem that I see is this, let's just put a blanket over it and let's just numb out and forget it. And let's just try to see the good in what's happening. And that just leads to just more and more and more microaggressions of racism. And then the more of those we have, the more it builds. And then it just comes out into like all of this violence that we're seeing against Asian Pacific Islanders. Like it's awful. So this sensitivity that I have 
<laughs> to being white and trying to have all the answers figured out and trying to stop people and just fix everything immediately right. isn't working. It's not, it's just making the problem worse. And I always like to think of this analogy when I think about like what, like how, how we're all bringing our gifts into this world. So in a diversity training one time, someone told me this analogy of we're all sitting in a classroom and imagine that if you have white skin, that you are automatically just seated at the front of the class. And what happens when you're seated at the front of the class? You have a better view of the information on the board. You can hear the person that's speaking better. You're in a position to be gathering this information in a better way. And then let's say that if you have any melanin in your skin, you're sitting in the back of the classroom. And what happens when you're sitting at the back of the classroom? You get to see everyone that's in the class experiencing the class. Maybe you're not seeing the like words on the board as closely, or maybe you're not even hearing the teacher as well. But what you get to see is this entire like bird's eye view of how the entire community is actually learning the content of the class. And that to me just like blew me away. That is like, when I think of white privilege, I think of sitting in the front of the class. And how amazing is it that we have a group of people in this world, several groups of people in this world that are sitting in the back and they get to share, experience, learn what it's like. And if we're not listening to that, we are missing out on such a huge portion of the human experience. I'm like getting, yes. I'm getting emotional. I'm getting fired up talking about yes. this. <laughs> yes, melanated people have such a leadership role right now. Such a leadership role. And everyone needs to listen. Yes, yes. And set aside just for a second. If you're white, just set aside your emotions, set aside your fear, set aside your guilt. Because all of those things are not the burden of the person that has actually come up with the courage to talk to you. That's not their burden. And we're putting it on them. So we got to let, we just got, we got to take care of ourselves so we can be like an empty open container when we get the, like the actual privilege of having these conversations. I feel like this is kind of a, um, like, I feel personally, like it's not that hard to, for white people to hold that we are not victims we get to take responsibility for our own lives sometimes we're addicted to feeling or anyone can feel addicted to being a victim because it's very enticing and you get more control and you there's freedom in it oh i'm not in control everything's outside of my control so right. i just get to be over here with my complaints and then but at the same time we can still acknowledge that there are there's real systemic differences there's real pain and suffering right yeah yes and there's real things that you and i are never ever 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 going to experience ever ever, ever. yes my husband's been experiencing horrible <laughs> horrible racist horrible racist experiences recently recently in the bay area which is just like Come on, people, like, get it together. It's pretend woke sometimes. <laughs> that is very true. That is very true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, very performative. But he'll come home, and I just think to myself, like, I will never – I'm never going to experience that. Do you have advice for people? Because today we're talking about shame and shadow. Do you have advice for people who are um, descendants of colonizers to work with that shame? Mm, 
That is a great, great question. Maybe no. I'll start a little bit just by saying, like, it's okay to acknowledge that. Yeah, yes. Because it's just true, just facts. It's just facts. It's true, you know? <laughs> it is so true. It is so true. And I think, like, I, to me, it comes with so much guilt. And I have to catch myself in it all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel guilt. And then I go into codependent, like, like people-pleasing mode. Yeah. And then I have to catch myself. and like, I'm not being real right now. Like, I'm not being honest. <laughs> I'm not. Like, I'm just trying to cover up all of this, like, guilt I have about being descendants of colonizers. Yeah. So yeah. I like, however you process guilt, like, so I process guilt by really leaning into it and feeling it. Where is it feeling in my body? Where, where is like the energy of it? What color is it? What texture is it? Like really exploring that feeling. Um, and then I, my own practice is EFT tapping. So then I just do a little EFT tapping session on it and like just doing that over and over and over again until until you can befriend that guilt. Like if you can befriend that guilt and be like, yo, let's hang out for a little bit. I love you. Like guilt, let's hang. Like, yeah, we do feel really guilty about this. Let's just like, let's embrace that with a huge hug. And that's going to make that whole experience of it way less charged and way less like I need to take action right now. Yeah, and let's, like, love our guilt just as much as we love our joy. Yes, yes. That is isn't better than the other. That is it, exactly. But it's taking taking me so long to realize that. Sarah, I feel like I want to say that um, I don't feel guilty or ashamed about being a descendant of a colonizer. Mm. Put your fingers to the keyboard if that's triggering for you. But I am obsessed with understanding what is my role to be of the greatest and highest good on planet Earth right now. And I can honestly say that I do absolutely everything I can with my time and attention to be of the greatest and highest good. And that's my true responsibility. And I acknowledge the harm that is done. And I show respect and I offer sliding scale. And I love people to the max capacity. Mm. But I don't hold that frequency of guilt or shame because I don't think it helps anybody. Yeah. Yes. I think you're absolutely right. It does not help anybody. Mm-hmm. I don't know a time. Well, maybe shame has like propelled me a little bit, but like <laughs> guilt, <laughs> guilt as a motivator is not great. <laughs> yeah. I mean, shame, shame, if anything has helped me to understand, be like empathetic with what it feels like to be icky, how it feels to be icky inside, you know? Yeah. Yes. Just empathetic for that. Yes. I love that. I love that so much. Okay, what is your favorite thing about watching another person move through their shadows? It's one of my favorite things. Honestly, it's like a blessing to be able to experience that. Watching other people move through their shadows is so humanizing. It is just one of the most profound experiences to watch because we're all holding shadow, right? What is shadow? Like it is the unconscious traits or unconscious traits that we've repressed into our subconscious and they're shamey and we've repressed them for a reason. Like our subconscious is trying to keep us safe. And, but those, as Carl Jung said, like those unconscious traits, as long as they stay unconscious are going to rule your life and you're going to call them fate. So Mm -hmm. watching someone see, see a little shadow because it's so hard to get there, right? You've got to go like, The shadow is like ducking in and out. It's like, I don't want to be seen. Please don't look at me. 
So when you, when you see someone finally catch a little nugget of it and then work through it, befriend it, and really like process where it was coming from, that is so magic. Because then I can say to myself, oh my God, I can do, not only can I do the same, but all of my shadows are living in that same mind space, that exact same mind space. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's so beautiful, yeah. We're so it's, much less alone. Yes. <laughs> we are not alone in our shadow experience. I feel like I also want to say when I see somebody like alchemize a shadow, fear of being seen, um, guilt or shame around absolutely anything. Like even being a litter bug is something that I've seen people carry guilt. And mm, shame. Wow. It's like, <laughs> It's done, you know, it's done. It's, done. it's already, what are you going to do? Go back and like, just pick up more trash going forward. When I see that happening, I also see like how it alchemizes things for the collective. So you mm. alchemizing your shame um, around anything, sexuality, how you grew up, makes it more accessible for the next person. And that's what I love about being a human being and what I love about being a part of this collective. Oh, same, same. And other people are doing that for us, you know, all the time, all the time. I'll have guests on my podcast. And as soon as they own, you know, growing up poor, like that was a huge shadow for me for so long. And now I'm like, yeah, that was just my reality. Like I grew up poor. (laughs) I don't need to carry guilt and shame around it. And there's, there's a learning (laughs) in that. Like I've learned so much because of that growing up in an abusive household. Like I carried so much shame and there's like a, there's like this unspoken kind of secret language around growing up in abusive households. And I'm just really like ripping the shadow off of that one allowed me to love myself wholly, just completely accept my entire soul and say like, yes, that happened. I don't need to be ashamed of it anymore. I think there's a myth that keeps people separated where like, if these things happen to me, then I'm somehow forever broken or I'm somehow forever unlovable or I'm somehow forever traumatized. So I don't want people to know I had these experiences. Um, I know I had that, especially when I was dating, I was like, I don't want them to know anything about my background <laughs> because they're going to think I'm damaged goods. <laughs> Controlling that narrative. Yeah. And I was like, actually, I don't care. <laughs> deal with it I don't want to date with you (laughs) yeah and actually it doesn't define me you know it doesn't define you it doesn't define you not at all I was having a conversation with somebody and I'd love to know your thoughts on this and they were asking me about like a particular experience I had in the past and I said you know I think it will always affect me just like having um brothers will always affect Mm. me you know like that's that is part of my experience. It informs me. I get to have that experience, but it doesn't feel heavier or worse than something that's just fact-based. Like I grew up in California. I have brothers, you know, (laughs) you know, I had these experiences. I like avocado, you know, (laughs) the same level of charge for me. (laughs) That is amazing. And like, it's just so freeing. So freeing. Sis. Okay. Um, what else do you feel like you want to share anything, any like encouraging messages for somebody listening to this who maybe has a little bit of shame or has a, um, a shadow that they're afraid to look at? Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. So if you've got, if you're carrying shame or if you're carrying shadow, like you're human, you're here, you're here with the best of us. And I truly mean that. 
Yeah. <laughs> and like, it is when you are ready and not a moment sooner when you are ready to start to just investigate, just investigate and be like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to free write for 15 minutes tonight about my shadow, about something that I'm ashamed of. Something that I just feel like I'm going to call it quote unquote icky feelings because I think that's how society looks at these feelings of guilt and shame and maybe anxiety or um, uh, being lonely, left out, like all of these icky feelings that you feel like you don't actually want to feel. Mm -hmm. I encourage you to just sit with them and befriend them and learn, start to learn how it feels and just get curious. And that that's a slow process. I kind of want to, okay, I just want to add in there, does this include that feeling that people have when they realize they've done harm to somebody? Oof. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yes. And maybe that's guilt. Maybe it's guilt. Yes. Maybe it's pleasure. Maybe it's like you, I was just hearing this analogy the other day, right? I'm a late person. I'm, I always show up everywhere late and it's something I'm ashamed about. And I'm so embarrassed about it. But when you look at it, if you really look at it, I am late because I don't want to have to wait for another person. I want that other person to wait for me. Like there's a power in that. There's such a power in being late. <laughs> yeah. But I would never have admitted that to myself. I was just like, oh, I'm just afflicted with this problem. My whole family does it. Like I just, I couldn't possibly be on time. Time is just so hard for me. But no, when I think about it and when I'm early and I have to wait for someone else, then I start to get that feeling of like, ugh, like I'm, I'm not in power here. Like I have to wait for someone else. Like this doesn't feel good, right? But to take that another step forward, like if I am trying to have this power of not having to wait for anyone else, maybe I'm getting this like sick pleasure of actually making someone else wait for me. Yeah. And maybe, maybe that's because of this, in this totally other non-related situation, I don't have power. And so I'm really hungry for that power. And it's so, yeah, to cause harm. Yes. Yes. And it's okay to say that. It's, it's okay to say that. It feels so radical. It feels so radical. <laughs> but it's true. It's like, it is sometimes we need to do that. And if you can just get down to the root of that and figure out where you need to be taking more ownership in your own life or more power in your own life, you're just going to start magically showing up on time. Or like me, you're just going to start showing up early for things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like you have that power. Like you'll be like happy for the other person. Like good for you. Yes. Get that power that you need. Get that medicine. Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. For some reason, sir, I'm also just having this image of all the um, mothers in particular that find ways to cause harm to their children because mm. there's this pleasure in seeing someone else go through what they had to go through that was unacknowledged. Mm, that is like, so real. We're, we're in this together now. That is you know? so real. Yes. Yes. And yeah. that's, it's just, and that's okay. Just, that's just for, right. It's okay. Get, forgive yourself. <laughs> just forgive yourself and accept it. And like, just to even to be honest about it is so empowering. Right. Yeah. I mean, what kind of healers would we be if we didn't know these things about ourselves? Yes. <laughs> We got to uncover all of it. (laughs) We'd just be living half lives. Can you talk to us about like the importance of having experiences and like getting to experience difficult emotions, Sarah, and like the gift of that? 
Yeah. Oh my gosh. I mean, this is something that you and I've talked about in our, um, I did a session with Jess and we were talking about uh, my spirit baby and bringing my spirit baby into this world. And something Jess said to me was like, just remember that like the whole point of being on this earth is to feel and to like feel emotions. And sometimes we're going to see things that are, make us feel icky. And that is the experience not fixing the icky emotion. And I remember sitting with that and being like, that's a funny thing that Jess just like told me. Like, that's weird. (laughs) Like, I just want to have my baby. Like, why are we talking about human experience stuff? And then (laughs) fast forward, (laughs) fast forward to my like total loneliness, anxiety attack and just leaning into those feelings and then getting to see the other side of that. I'm like, oh, that's what she was talking about. Having the entire experience of human emotions is the whole point we're here. If we are all divine creatures, right? Let's say we are all creatures of God, universe, whatever you want to call this divine system that we're in. Pain, war, suffering, hurt. These are all things that we experience and are divine. And we can't just pretend that having like all of those experiences isn't human because it is. And so if it's human, it's divine. And so I think befriending both of those experiences truly allows us to accept our soul experience. And once we're accepting our soul experience, we are rocking. Like that is when we can just like live out those good vibrations of icky, gross, nice, awesome, like feelings and truly live our life's purpose. Yeah, and I would say, too, that they inspire us to be compassionate. Mm. And they they light the fire and the spirit sometimes to be like, I don't want anyone else to have to feel this. Yeah. I want, anyone to, I want people to know that they're safe. I want people to know they're okay. And it becomes this burning mission, at least for me and my own experience, that gives meaning and purpose. But mm. it doesn't always come unless you've had those icky feelings, unless you know what it's like to be disregarded or disrespected or tossed aside or treated poorly. Um, that gives depth to your compassion. It gives depth and it gives meaning to what you do going forward to, to make your world a better place to make your community to make your family a better place yes yes so well said sarah how can people get to know you better or get to work with you yes oh my gosh (laughs) so i think the best way to follow along with what i'm up to is to listen to my podcast it's weekly it airs on wednesdays it's available on all major podcast apps it's called lit af and if you're interested in going a little deeper Um, You can, in my Instagram bio, you can sign up for um, my email list. I've got some free tools up there right now um, that you can use. One of them is actually a somatic feeling meditation. So if you're like, I want to do a deep dive and feeling guilt in my body right now, you can download that meditation. And then I also have some free screensavers with amazing, I call them mantras that several different coaches helped prepare for me, including one from Jess, which is amazing. <laughs> and those are all available for free on my website. So if you go to sarahcohan.com, that's S-A-R-A-H-C-O-H-A-N.com. Um, on the menu bar, you can see free tools and you can download those there. And then I got crazy fun, awesome new stuff coming. I'm starting coaching opportunities. So if you're interested in working with shadow with me, sign up for that email list and, and really going there. 
Yeah. Really, I feel like there's nothing you could do or feel when you could go talk to Sarah about that. Come talk to me and I will sit yeah. and listen. I will sit with you for mm -hmm. sure. Mm -hmm. I can't wait. There's literally nothing. I'm so glad you said that. Because, <laughs> like, honestly, there's probably not one thought that you have that I haven't already thought. <laughs> like, I can handle it. Let's bring it. Let's talk about it. Let's Do process it. that shadow together. <laughs> yeah. Or I'm really manipulative and I like to make people sorry for me, but I made up all these victim stories that never maybe even really happened. Go talk yeah. to Sarah. Go talk to Sarah. Let's talk, about it. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. And there's super fun sessions. So it's just 30 minute quick sessions. We're going to do like a laser focus on the shadow. And then I follow up. I do like a little journal process of our session together and I'll follow up with tools, resources, and like suggested activities yeah. to do afterwards. So it's super fun. Yeah. And you're going to be creating, cause I know you mentioned like how meaningful it's been to have a community of people that share vulnerably. Is, okay, can I share what I'm about to share? You know where I'm going. Please, with? yes. Oh, yeah. So yes. Sarah is going to eventually be creating, probably pretty soon, um, a Patreon community so that with really cool merchandise. Very uh, cool merchandise. So there's <laughs> a community that you can access that is not hierarchical. It's not like this is Sarah's way of healing, but rather just a community experience where you can be in community with other people who are journeying with you and learn from each other and... Yes. We'll all be vulnerable together. We'll, we'll all be grossly human together. It's going to be awesome. Messy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so if you're interested in that, like just sign up for my email list and you'll, you'll get notified. I feel like I also want to say I have six spots left for a retreat at the end of May in person yes. in Mount Shasta called honoring the mother um, coming to completion with your experience as a daughter, honoring the mother in yourself and in all things and setting some really beautiful patterns for how you want to move forward in relationship to mother energy. Mm. Um, so there's six spots left for that. Um, one is at 650 for a private room and then I guess that's five at four fifty for four days. Yes. Mother wound. Mother wound is hot right now. Mother wound. What's well, May's Mother's Day? May's Mother's Day, April. I just had a guest on my um, show that we're going to air the episode in May, but she was talking about how April is um, the color. The color of April is pink, and how pink really does represent that mother wound. So, good luck to everyone. <laughs> um, <laughs> Tell me how it goes. <laughs> Blessings to everyone. Thank you so much for being here, Sarah. And thank you for, I feel like I want to say thank you for being born. Thank you, oh for, thank you. Thank you for living the life that you've lived, that you can have this journey of all the shadow and all the experiences that you can hold that space for others while we collectively get a lot lighter. Mm, thank while you. we collectively get a lot less shameful, a lot less guilty and a lot lighter. Yes. I just love you oh. so much. And I love your show is so funny. Oh, thanks. <laughs> so fun. And I love, I love the humor you bring. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm just having a blast. Thank you, Jess. You are like a light of sun, a ray of sunshine joining your Tuesday morning or your Tuesday weekly uh, meditations is one of my favorite things to do. So thank you for, I'm just like so honored to be here and thank you everyone that's watching. This has just been a dream. I'm having the best time. <laughs> That's it for today's show. Thank you so, so, so much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed. If you have a moment and you're in the Apple Podcast app, please rate and review the show. I could really use all the ratings I can get. And share this episode with a friend that may benefit from it. You never know. And of course, hit subscribe to keep up with new weekly episodes. 
Until next week, visit sarahcohan.com, that's S-A-R-A-H-C-O-H-A-N.com to find other podcast episodes. And you can find Lit AF on Instagram at It's Me, Sarah Cohan, and you can also find me on Clubhouse. Thank you again for listening. Please stay lit, Lit AF, and I hope to see you back here next week.